Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Good morning, White Sox fans. Yeah, we haven't used the Sox Machine White Sox wake-up call music in a long time because usually we, we reserve that when we are recapping games during the week, but we haven't had games in forever, it feels like. So I decided to bust it out to recap as far as the first round of the 2020 Major League Baseball draft as the Chicago White Sox took Garrett Crochet. There was quite a few surprises, and on this episode, we'll also take a look at day two and preview on who the White Sox could possibly take at pick 47, as there is a pretty interesting name that could fall to the White Sox at 47 that we weren't really expecting that to happen. But let's start with the White Sox first overall selection at number 11. They took Tennessee left-hander Garrett Crochet, and uh, let's just start with the, the scouting report of Garrett Crochet. Again, he is a power left-handed pitcher who, in Crochet's one appearance this year against Wright State, which uh, covered a little bit more than three innings. It was three and a third innings. He was on a pitch count. Uh, He threw 42 pitches. Crochet was throwing 97 to 99 miles per hour. There have been reports that he's hit 100 miles per hour. And for having a left-handed pitcher throw with that type of velocity, That's premium stuff, and you pair it with a very good slider. He used to have a curveball when he was more of when he was freshman and sophomore year in Tennessee. But as he continued to throw harder, he has ditched the curveball and stuck with the slider. That was a smart move because the slider really tunnels well with the fastball, and he has said in reports with the media that he has modeled his slider after Chris Sale, which we'll get to that comp in a moment. And Crochet does have a changeup. It is a bit firm. There's not a lot of movement with the changeup. And that's something I would like to see a little bit more as far as a polish with the changeup. Because then if he can have three average to plus pitches, then Garrett Crochet could be quite devastating. So that those are the reasons why White Sox fans should be ecstatic about them selecting Garrett Crochet. That 
you just don't see these attributes in a left-hander. Like, Garrett Crochet's stuff is better than A.C. Lacey, who went fourth overall to the Kansas City Royals. But the reason why Lacey went fourth overall and not Garrett Crochet is that Asa Lacey proved that he is a starting pitcher, that he is someone that continually has pitch counts close to 100, gets in the sixth, seventh inning. Asa Lacey's last start was against New Mexico State at Nick Gonzalez, who went seventh overall to the Pittsburgh Pirates. He made Gonzalez look terrible in that game, and he had a no-hitter going into the seventh inning, and because of the pitch count, Texas A&M pulled him, which is what you want to see out of college baseball, not try to ride these guys to college glory, throwing 130 pitches in early March. Asa Lacey was a devastating starting pitcher. I don't know if Garrett Crochet has that same type of endurance, just because we really haven't seen it. I mean, when in his college career, when he did go seven, eight innings, he wasn't throwing 97 miles per hour the fastball in those games he was typically sitting 90 to 92 his stuff looked a little bit more like logan allen who's from florida international who we are expecting someone to go in round two uh then the guy went 11th overall to the chicago white Sox. so for the chicago white Sox, if they do believe he's a starting pitcher and you don't take eric crochet 11th overall if you don't think he's a starting pitcher They got some work to do, and they need to be a little patient here. I don't think you follow the Chris Sale plan with Garrett Crochet, and they may go with that plan anyways. I would advise against it because Chris Sale, when he was at Florida Gulf Coast, he was a starter. He was their Friday night starter for two years, and he put in the work and the innings to prove that he was a starting pitcher. The White Sox just took him as a college starting pitcher and threw him in the bullpen. And if you remember your White Sox history, the White Sox kind of wanted him to stay in the bullpen until he blew up at Kenny Williams, uh, pretty much called him up and yelled at him, saying that I am a starting pitcher. And because of that tenacity and that phone call, Kenny Williams changed his mind and had Chris Sales stick as a starting pitcher, which was ultimately a very, very smart move by the Chicago White Sox, and obviously that has worked out terrifically for Chris Sale's career instead of just being a bullpen arm. If if the White Sox go this approach with Garrett Crochet and have him be like Chris Sale on the Chris Sale plan, have him start in the bullpen with the hope that maybe he can develop into a starting pitcher, they may just fall in love with him out of the bullpen. Again, the comps that I'm going to use for Garrett Crochet is Josh Hader and Andrew Miller. And we know on how valuable both of those pitchers have been, especially to their teams, especially when it gets into the postseason. Do the Cleveland Indians get to the World Series in 2016 without Andrew Miller? I don't think so, especially with the health of the starting pitchers just breaking down during that postseason run. It's the main reason why the Cleveland Indians lost a 3-1 to lead to the Chicago Cubs in the World Series. Do the Milwaukee Brewers push the Los Angeles Dodgers to the limit without Josh Hader in 2018? I don't think so. Because again, Milwaukee just didn't have the horses in the starting rotation. And Josh Hader put in a lot of work for the Brewers uh, during that postseason run. Of course, he's the reason why they couldn't beat the Washington Nationals, though. Uh, in the 2019 wildcard game and how the fortunes changed in one inning for the Nationals. They go from the brink of being eliminated at home 
to winning the World Series. Again, there's a lot of value to have a pitcher like Josh Hader and Andrew Miller. As far as your major league team, these guys will not be cheap in free agency. And just imagine a bullpen for the White Sox after signing Aaron Bummer to a long-term deal. And now you add someone who has a 70-grade fastball and a 60-grade slider and Garrett Crochet into that bullpen. That could be that could be devastating for opposing teams against the White Sox. So I know that there's a lot of White Sox fans right now that are a bit disappointed with the selection of Garrett Crochet. We may look back at this draft pick, especially if Mick Abel turns out to be the starting pitcher that many scouts and analysts are projecting him to be, where we question the decision-making of the Chicago White Sox maybe three or four years down the road. But with no doubt, Garrett Crochet has some really impressive stuff, and with the way that 2020 has gone, uh, we're probably not going to see him throw at all. Maybe he'll participate in the taxi squad. But there are questions with Garrett Crochet, and unfortunately, we're not going to get any answers to those questions sometime in 2021. If the White Sox do want Garrett Crochet to be a starter, I do suspect that he'll be in the minor leagues in 2021, uh, whether that's going over three levels like Winston-Salem, Birmingham, and maybe even Charlotte if things are really panning out uh, before he joins the Major League squad in 2022. Now, for the first round, as far as surprises, uh, the, the first surprise is in the top 10, we knew who the top 10 players were. I did not know the order because my mock draft was absolutely terrible. Uh, Jim Callis and Keith Law, congratulations to them. And also Joshua Strong, who won the Sox Machine 2020 MLB Draft Pick'em. Uh, those three got nine out of the 29 correct. So that is awesome, especially with how the first 10 picks went. And there's no surprise that Spencer Torkelson went number one overall. But for the Detroit Tigers to say that he's a third baseman, Torkelson's not a third baseman. I mean, he's played first base. He's played some outfield. You know, I know that there's some scouts that thought that he has the athleticism and the arm strength to play a corner outfield position, but I don't know about third base. So good luck, Detroit, with with that. Uh, Heston Kirschstag going second overall uh, was a, a pretty big surprise. I had him going to Pittsburgh seventh overall. So again, another top 10 pick. Uh, but him going second overall to Baltimore suggests that Baltimore was trying to save money uh, with an underslot deal for them to maybe take a prep player with pick 30. And then, lo and behold, they take Jordan Westberg at pick 30, uh, shortstop for Mississippi State. Uh, so they're not going underslot for, or, or I should say, they're not going overslot for pick 30. So they may go underslot for pick 39. And we'll talk about the second round in a moment here. Uh, but then Max Meyer for Miami over Asa Lacey, that was a surprise. Uh, I thought Max Meyer's ceiling was with the Toronto Blue Jays at pick five, but the, the Marlins liked Meyer more than Asa Lacey. The Royals get another great college starting pitcher added to their farm system in Asa Lacey, so that could be a pain in the neck for White Sox fans in, in a few years here. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, I don't think in any scenario, thought that Austin Martin was going to drop to them, uh, and he did. Seattle, uh, Jerry DePoto, the GM of the Seattle Mariners, on their podcast said on record that he wanted a 
middle of the field bat to add to the Seattle Mariners. Someone at shortstop, someone at second, someone in center field. Well, he passes up Nick Gonzalez for Emerson Hancock. Uh, I thought that was a good move by the Seattle Mariners to to add another starting pitcher to the mix for them. Uh, Pittsburgh, they're going to be going through a rebuild, so they take the best college bat available. Again, I thought that would be Heston Kirstad in my mock draft, but with him going number two overall, it's Nick Gonzalez here. You know, with San Diego, I thought San Diego would take Mick Abel. I, I knew that they were going to go prep, um, but Robert Hassel was the prep bat that they liked the most, so that's who they took, and that's why Robert Hassel was the first high school player taken with the eighth overall pick. And by the way, that is a new draft record for the longest uh, drought for a high school player to be taken in the first round is seven straight college players. Uh, Zach Veen going to Colorado at pick nine is a surprise. I don't think anyone thought that he was going to fall that far. And then Reed Detmers to the Los Angeles Angels at pick 10. That was that was pretty common. And again, in my mock draft, I thought it would be Emerson Hancock sliding. And I thought that the Angels would pick Emerson Hancock over Reed Detmers. So that's why I had the Angels taking Hancock and why Reed Detmers would fall to the White Sox at pick 11. And the White Sox would pick Reed Detmers over Garrett Crochet. Uh, in my mock draft. Obviously, that didn't happen. And the other part is that, obviously, the Angels are not punting in the draft. You, you don't, you're don't. you not going to be able to sign Reed Detmers to an underslot deal. The slot value is $4.74 million, and it's expected that Reed Detmers is going to get that slot value. So the rumors that someone in the top 10 was going to punt the draft doesn't seem like it's going to come to fruition. Other surprises in the first round uh, with pick 13 for the San Francisco Giants, despite taking Joey Bart second overall just a, just a couple of years ago, they take Patrick Bailey, uh, the catcher out of NC State. So now the San Francisco Giants and the farm system have Joey Bart, who I think is going to be a terrific catcher in the major leagues. And now they got Patrick Bailey, who I think is going to be a major league catcher. Is this trade fodder for the San Francisco Giants? I think we'll see in a couple of years, but I don't think they need to worry about the catching position, uh, especially with Buster Posey uh, getting closer to the end of his career. I thought Joey Bart would be the everyday catcher for the San Francisco Giants, and who knows, maybe one day they'll have this tandem between Joey Bart and Patrick Bailey in the National League. If we have a universal DH for all of Major League Baseball in a couple of years, then the, the Giants can have Joey Bart catch one day, Patrick Bailey be the DH, and then vice versa. Uh, but that, I thought that was a, a pretty interesting move by the San Francisco Giants as they are pretty stacked now at the catching position. Uh, pick 16, love this pick for the Chicago Cubs, selecting Ed Howard. He is the best shortstop in this draft class. He's going to stick at the shortstop position the Cubs just need to be patient with him and help him offensively. And let's face it, the Cubs have done a very good job developing their prospects, especially hitting-wise. And if they can tap into the bat a little bit more for Ed Howard, if he can generate a little bit more power in his swing, uh, this could be the everyday shortstop for the Chicago Cubs in, in 2024 and beyond. I, I know there's going to be a lot of talk in Cubs Nation about, well, where's Ed Howard going to play if Javier Baez is on the team? If the Ricketts family right now is crying poor, is Javier Baez going to be on the team in 2024? Let's just face it, the Cubs could look drastically different in 2024 than they do today in 2022. So maybe Ed Howard will be the spark of a new-looking roster for the Chicago Cubs when he does join 
the major leagues. But I, I do like that pick a lot for the Cubs. But then the next pick is by far the biggest surprise in the draft, and that is the Boston Red Sox taking prep second baseman Nick York from Archbishop Mitty High School out of California. You know, the everyone is saying that, you know, he's got a great bat, and this is the reason why the Red Sox took him. And I, I wonder if there's something else going on here because going through the average rankings as far as the, the draft database, compiling fan graphs, MLB Pipeline, ESPN, Baseball America, The Athletic, which is Keith Law, and our friends over at 2080 Baseball, Nick York's average ranking was 123, and he was the 49th ranked high school prospect. Uh, the the guys that were high on Nick York um, was Kylie McDaniel. Uh, Kylie had Nick York ranked 70th on his top draft prospect list. Baseball America had Nick York as the 87th prospect. Uh, but 70 and 87, I mean, that's round three, round four. So why would the Red Sox take someone that is a third round or fourth round talent uh, for the evaluators that thought that highly of them uh, and draft him in the first round. So I think there's a little bit more questions that need to be answered. And I look forward to the Boston media to try to get those answers <laughs> from the Red Sox and on what the thinking is by taking Nick York, but that's the direction that they are going and we'll see if it is an underslot deal. And if it is an underslot deal, uh, we'll see on how that impacts the Red Sox draft later on. But continuing as far as going to the first round, another pick that I like a lot uh, is the Tampa Bay Rays taking Nick Bitsko. He's 17 years old. And in my write-up for SoxMachine.com, you know, again, back to to Kylie McDaniel from ESPN getting the TrackMan data for Bitsko. The fastball comp right now is comparable to Lucas Giolito. The curveball is comparable to Chris Paddock. And if you have those attributes now, where you are on the trackman data with a fastball and curveball to Lucas Giolito and Chris Paddock, two of the best young starting pitchers in Major League Baseball. I don't know why any team wouldn't take a chance on Nick Bitsko. And of course, it's the Tampa Bay Rays who are flushed in their farm system with terrific prospects. They have one of the best farm systems in all of Major League Baseball. So the rich get richer with that pick. And I'm sure there will be a lot of teams uh, slapping themselves in the forehead wondering why we didn't take Nick Bitsko in about four or five years down the road. I think that that pick's going to really plan out for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, and then as far as you know, later in the draft of the Minnesota take, Twins taking Aaron Sabato, the first baseman of North Carolina, uh, they're adding more power into their already powerful lineup. Austin Wells the, I think he'll be a first baseman as well, but the Yankees are going to try him as a catcher. Uh, is another power bat and already a powerful lineup. Again, the Twins and Yankees uh, were 1-2 leading the major leagues in home runs in 2019, hitting over 300. And those two teams are still coveting power in the 2020 Major League Baseball draft. And Jim's preference, Tyler Sodastrom, uh, just went 26 overall to the Oakland Athletics. Then there was the comp picks, which there wasn't a lot of drama going on with the comp picks, but it does lead us to day two, which we're going to see the second through the fifth round. So the remaining of the Major League Baseball draft will be happening today. 
And the top player available on the draft board is Jared Kelly. There was a moment, let's say a month ago, that the Chicago White Sox were considering Jared Kelly at pick 11. They heavily scouted him. They had multiple Zoom meetings with Jared Kelly. They have done their homework with Jared Kelly. Jared Kelly was the 17th-ranked prospect on our draft board. He was the 7th best high school prospect, and he is still available in the draft. Now, again, the Orioles, we are assuming, are saving a lot of money taking Heston Kerstad second overall. They still have that cash. So do they increase the amount of their bonus in pick 39 to take someone like Jared Kelly? That is a possibility. But if Baltimore doesn't take Jared Kelly 39th overall, I wonder if he gets to the White Sox at pick 47. And do the White Sox then try to go with the 2019 plan, something that I wrote on SoxMachine.com yesterday on the different draft strategies the White Sox could use? take some money from the fourth and fifth round bonus and increase the bonus they could offer in the second round. And do they get Jared Kelly with pick 47? That's what I'm going to be paying attention to early as far as day two is if Jared Kelly can get to the White Sox. If that does come to fruition and the White Sox do take Jared Kelly in the second round, I really like this draft for the White Sox to add these two arms into their farm system and Garrett Crochet and Jared Kelly. That is a lot of velocity. That's a lot of plus stuff. Uh, And I don't think Jared Kelly is going to need a lot of time despite being a prep high school pitcher. He's got now stuff and physically as far as his body, he needs to be a little bit better as far as conditioning goes. Um, but there's not a lot. There's not. There's not more room for him to grow into as far as his body frame. Unlike Mick Abel or even Nick Bitsko, Jared Kelly is a almost a ready now high schooler, which is typically what you don't see at all. Uh, but he just follows his line of these Texan high school pitchers, and and the White Sox have one uh, that they're hoping will be in their starting rotation in 2020, and that's Michael Kopech. Uh, so that'll be really intriguing and that's what i'm going to be watching early as far as day two is to see if jared kelly falls to the white Sox. other top prospects available cole wilcox right-hander from georgia i like cole wilcox a lot at the beginning of the season he was in my top 15 draft board uh, when college baseball was actually playing and with him being a draft eligible sophomore if he doesn't go early in round two and if he doesn't get first round money you're already hearing the rumors that Cole Wilcox will return to school and he'll be a junior next year uh, and then re-enter the draft. If he does that, I think Cole Wilcox has to be in the preseason top 10 for the 2021 draft class. And if he pitches well for Georgia with Emerson Hancock now leaving school, Cole Wilcox becomes a Friday night starter for the Georgia Bulldogs. And again, if he does well for the Bulldogs, Uh, then he could be a top 10 pick next year and make a lot more money. So that's the decision that Cole Wilcox will need to make. If you're ready for the major leagues, take the deal in the second round. If you think you could do better money-wise by going back to school, then go back to school. And it sounds like he may be going back to school. Uh, So he ranked 20th on our draft board. And no major publication ranked him 
uh, higher than 24th. Baseball America had him ranked 24th, ESPN 23rd, MLB Pipeline 23rd, Fangraphs 18, The Athletic 14th, and 2080 Baseball 18th. So again, this was a top 25 prospect that did not go in the first round. Uh, and if he doesn't go in the second round, he's definitely going back to school. So that's something to pay attention to. JT Ginn, right-hander for Mississippi State. Same situation as Cole Wilcox, but JT Ginn got hurt. Uh, so there's also the injury that he needs to consider. Uh, if he decides that the money's not good enough for him to forego uh, college, uh, he can return back to Mississippi State, heal, and pitch for the Bulldogs uh, in his junior year, and he could just be in the same situation as Cole Wilcox, that if he proves that he's healthy and effective as the Friday night starter, JT Ginn could be a possible top 10 pick in next year's draft. After those two draft-eligible draft sophomores, uh, you got C.J. Van Eyck from Florida State, uh, right-hander. I expect him to go early as far as in the second round. Uh, on, on the high school front, you got Carson Montgomery, right-handed pitcher from West Orange High School out of Florida. Uh, you got Mason Wynn, shortstop from Kingwood High School, Texas. Any of these teams that are drafting underslot in the first round, uh, Carson Montgomery and Mason Wynn are going to be targets early as far as in the second round. And if the White Sox, if Jared Kelly does not drop to the White Sox in the second round as far as pick 47, and, and I've wrote about him a few times here, I know that the White Sox have done their homework as well for Jared Jones, another prep high school pitcher who actually started opposite of Jared Kelly at the Under Armour Showcase this last summer at Wrigley Field. You know, Jared Jones has got some big stuff as well. He hits 96 miles per hour with the fastball. Uh, I like the changeup a lot. It's got some really good downward movement as far as some sinking action. I, you know, the TrackMan data suggests that the slider could be better uh, than what we saw as far as in that showcase. That the the spin velocity is there for that to be an average to plus pitch for him, especially as he gets older and he gets stronger. That's another name. So if it's not Jared Kelly to the White Sox at pick 47, the other high school arm that I'm going to be paying attention to is if Jared Jones gets to the White Sox at pick 47, and if that ultimately becomes the White Sox pick. So there's going to be a lot of activity going on here today for the day two of the Major League Baseball draft. We will see the rest of the draft class selected, rounds two through five. And after everything has been settled, there will be another podcast in which I'll be recording with James Fox of Future Sox, who joined me for the MLB Draft Show, along with Burke Granger from 2080 Baseball. And uh, we'll recap as far as day two for the Chicago White Sox and look at the entire draft class for the Chicago White Sox in 2020 and kind of chart on how the future will, what the future holds for these players as they join the White Sox and also take a look at some of the best players available that the White Sox could possibly target for the $20,000 bonuses when that Wild Wild West and the chaos <laughs> begins on Friday when teams can start signing these undrafted free agents. But that will do it for this episode, a special episode of the Sox Fishing Podcast as far as this White Sox wake-up call that we haven't had forever. Hopefully, Rob Manfred, the owners, and the Players Association figure out a plan to have games played in 2020. But at least we got some type of baseball activity last night with the first round of the Major League Baseball draft, and the White Sox have added a... Another pitcher into their farm system with premium stuff and Garrett Crochet out of Tennessee. 
Thanks for listening to this special edition of the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm Josh Nelson and look forward to speaking with you tomorrow morning to recap the rest of the Major League Baseball draft for the Chicago White Sox. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.